everyone, welcome to Kasamako, previously named as Reclaiming Filipinx Identity. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to introduce to you our second guest for Season 6 Narratives. We have Angelica Marie Labrador Ilagan, a Waipahu High School Class of 2016 alumni and a recent grad of Pacific Lutheran University Class of 2020 here with us today. I knew Angelica from my friend Darlene, who I known in my junior year of high school, but I didn't really talk to Angelica until this year, which is last year when this interview was taken. And I actually learned a lot from her, from our conversation, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to her story. Before moving to the podcast, I want to ask you all this. How did you feel growing up in a community where everyone around you was predominantly white? Or another question that I like to ask is, how does it feel moving from an entire Filipino community to only seeing one Filipino? And you're practically misidentified for either being another ethnic ethnicity, race, ethnicity or race in this narrative Angelica shares a piece of that story and I want y'all to kind of just take a moment to just listen so without further ado let us continue with hearing the narrative of our amazing guest Angelica okay (laughs) Hi, my name is Angelica Marie Labrador Ilagan. Pronouns are she, her, hers. I was born and raised on the island of Oahu. As of right now, I actually just graduated college, class of 2020. And so now I'm a full-time medication technician at an assisted living facility. Like what Chachi said, I am a second generation individual. My parents immigrated from the Philippines. And to segue a little bit into the interview, how was it like as a Filipino American, as a second generation living in Hawaii? How was it like that experience for you? That's interesting because it's funny being asked that, especially like coming to the mainland and looking kind of different, which is a whole nother story. Growing up as a Filipino in Hawaii, I felt like I never saw it any different than what people would have expected. We never really stood out. We were considered the majority. And so growing up in Waipahu, like everyone's Filipino. All my family members that I know of were all Filipino. I never felt out of place and questioning my identity or questioning like my Filipino-ness was never something that I really thought of because everyone around me was Filipino. All my friends were Filipino. In some ways, we all shared the same kind of culture. So it was never really something that I thought about until I moved for college. I like how you got that because especially because living in Hawaii and the ge- geographically speaking, like uh, we know that there's a lot of Filipinos in Waipahu. So you never, you never feel like an outsider. Like you always feel like, you're included because they can understand you and like you, you know them 
you kind of like make the same jokes, reference, and all that stuff. But seeing the transition from Hawaii to where you are now, how was that kind of change? I felt like that change felt pretty drastic, I would say, because I felt like ever since I moved here to the mainland for college, kind of like one of the questions that you asked was if you've personally struggled with fully embracing your cultural identity, that kind of ties into how my identity pretty much felt changed or there was a sort of shift to how I know myself growing up and now how um, the culture here in the mainland is and how weird of a transition that was because it felt like it, I went from being in a place where I was majority and I knew everyone looked like me, everyone talked like me, to a place where I was considered the minority, I was considered a person of color, I was considered someone with a marginalized identity. And so all these terms were so new to me. And now thinking back at it, I really did struggle. And it's something that I never felt vulnerable enough to admit because in our culture, like vulnerability is never really a thing. It's never, it's always seen as a weakness. And so in a way, I learned how to be vulnerable with my identity, but also being kind of like fluid in it and noticing how there's so many like identity is very intersected. That was something that took a lot for me to learn because kind of tying on to how I've struggled with embracing that from my time in Hawaii and to transitioning to the main. I grew up going to a school where all my friends had never thought to like question how or why I looked the way that I did and you and ate the things that I did or talked and spoke the way that I did. Like I said earlier, it never stood out to anyone until I left and everything changed. I didn't know what having an identity meant and how to kind of find that culture identity and trying to understand something that everyone else felt so sure of in terms of like their cultural identity or just my own identity in general. Because growing up in Hawaii, at least for me, I didn't know what titles or labels meant. I didn't know that those words would tie into who you are, let alone have such a deeper meaning to it too. And so after attending like a predominantly white and private Lutheran university, that's when I started really thinking about, okay, why do I look so different from everyone else? Why do people always say that I don't look Filipino or I don't look like the Asian race that people assume that I was? And so that's when I realized the whole brownness thing, the coloredness, and now people realizing that I like stand out from the crowd instead of blending in. And so I always found myself struggling of imposter syndrome because I didn't know if I felt like I belonged. I felt like my abilities, the knowledge that I had was kind of being masked by me being a Filipina, me being brown, me being from Hawaii even. I 
started feeling that I wasn't white enough and I had to be white. I had to be uncle, like whitewashed Filipino and to try and, you know, survive and blend in with white people and just the environment that I was in. And so I can honestly say even till now that even till now after graduating college, being there for four years, I feel like it took that for me to understand my culture even more, to miss home, to miss the motherland, to miss my mom and my grandma's cooking, to miss the Filipino OPM songs and like waking up to like ASA playing and just these little things that I never realized that were a part of my identity and were a part of why or who I am and why I am the way that I am. But because of knowing how history is, I think that part I struggle with and I still do because it's one to try and embrace your cultural identity, but also not realizing the history behind it, not realizing how much my family has struggled and others before me have struggled to even claim Filipino as an identity. And it's something that I'm still trying to understand, still trying to work through. So I would say that I'm probably about like 30% into understanding my cultural identity, but there's a whole lot more that I just don't know. But I hope that with, you know, continuous education, with feeding more people here, or even doing my own research too, to try and like dive into my own culture and like knowing it makes sense and thank you i really appreciate you sharing um especially because um just like what you said um it's okay if you don't if we don't know much about our history it takes it takes time and it takes just asking our family even um talking stories with them and asking hey mom or hey dad or hey grandpa um where did we came from where did we go from uh, or where did our last name came from like it's just mm-hmm. a simple like conversation with our family even because i feel like with our identity it's tied with our family that will help us like, get a better picture about who we really are because the media can tell us so much but the biggest kind of distinction about who we really are is to our family and just asking them questions and yeah and that's also something that I've learned as to how like similar it is with the indigenous community how understanding who we are and where we come from is really through narratives it's really through stories it's really through experiences anecdotes even um because at least from how I understand, understood it, it's really the leaders and the elders who really provide that lineage, the stories that really tie us all together. And I felt like that's something that I've always carried around with me is to really try and learn who I am through my family, like what you said, and even just through the foods that we eat because even with that, there's so much history behind it as to how 
we've ended up with it. So it's interesting to know myself through that because I think ever since uh, my grandma passed, I've become more curious about where we came from, where my mom was from, where my dad was from, and um, other family members that came before that too. It's just interesting how all stories just really tie in together. And even to branch off of that, how do you see yourself with your own cultural identity? I feel like, at least right now, from how society sees me and how, I guess, politically correct, I, I would say, quote, quote, I do see myself as a brown female who, who doesn't care to look as brown because, you know, colorism in the Philippines, it's very prevalent and... It's hard for a lot of people to really grasp and I guess somehow convince that I am Filipino because I, I don't look Filipino. And so that's something that I struggle with because but I'm more on the lighter complexion of Filipinos. And so a part of that, like that's what I really struggle with because of how it's very prevalent in the Filipino community. But at the same time, using that as a way for me to navigate through a predominantly white and male society, that's really hard because I find myself stuck as someone who is Filipino and American, two identities that commonly crash against one another, which is still something that I try to acknowledge and know that I am Filipino American and having to say that out loud sometimes sounds really weird. But now that I'm getting older, I find myself trying to really grow to embrace my culture and Gaining that knowledge that not only makes me feel proud to be Filipino-American, but to be proud of the person that I am becoming because of my family and ancestors that have come before me. So I feel like I'm always going to continue growing. I'm always going to continue learning. And it's never really going to stop because I feel like I won't really fully know because myself. of how much history, because of how much information is still out there and family members that are still out there so I feel like it's always going to be a process I feel like there's no end to it I don't think it's weird especially because um, as a second generation like yourself it's so common to have the cultural hybrid of having these two different ways and you're kind of stuck in the middle like what am I my this or that and it's even really hard now because of the standards that we see in the mainstream media kind of like clashes with what we were born our transition was that is did you have any anyone that was always there that helped you um embrace your own identity so as i transitioned here to hawaii i mean here to the mainland from hawaii i had a roommate gabby who went to the same high school as me so it was nice to have someone that was also from home, but it's also nice to branch myself out with the clubs that I got involved with. So um, I was a part of um, our Hawaii club, Naho Aloha O Hawaii Club. And shockingly, there was a whole bunch of us from Hawaii and it really helped bring that whole sense of community and that sense of family that our culture really embraces. It always did fill my heart up whenever I was always surrounded by my people, surrounded by like-minded people as well. 
And I would say my college friends and also high school friends have really be that home away from home for me, especially my college friends, because we've all moved from Hawaii and having that connection with people really helped to kind of be comfortable in, in my own skin and to just basically kind of survive together in this crazy society that we live in, let alone a very predominantly white um, institution that we went to. And what also helped throughout my whole transition was just the family that I had there too. And honestly, the clubs, because this club called Apisa, who was also a part of Northwest FASA. And so Apisa was an Asian Pacific Islander Student Association organization that had a connection with Northwest FASA, which stands for Filipino American Student Alliance. And so being a part of these really large organizations and communities really helped helped me understand my culture even more and learn to really embrace and love it. Because being Filipino was never something that I actually had a sense of pride with it. It was more of, yeah, I'm Filipino, you know, but being a part of these communities and finding like-minded people and people who shared that same identity and struggle too really helped the process and this ongoing process like continue because if it wasn't for these people and the people that I have in my life now, I probably would still be lost and probably won't have a care in the world or just continue being this I wouldn't say sad, but just a very lost girl in this world. And through really through having that connection and that sort of having that like-mindedness people to be with you that can help like go through um the struggles that we kind of I know you kind of mentioned that you didn't really have that sense of pride within the um our Filipino identity. And I think I kind of wanted to touch upon that because Um, I feel like as we learn more about identity, like there are some parts that we don't like about our own culture. I've always had very emotional talks about this. We always had talks about how she identified as Native Hawaiian and I identified as Filipino American and how our identity history behind it that like, for example, with me being Filipino, there's a lot of history that doesn't make it sound I wouldn't say as appealing to just claim it but there's a lot of history that I feel like because of the many generations that have come before us we have that burden of I there's a term I think it's like intergenerational trauma or burden or yeah there that where for me I never knew what that was but I knew I always felt it I always felt that There's some kind of burden with being Filipino. There's some kind of like ugliness with being Filipino. And I think it comes with a very Spanish colonialism and the idea of uh, Western ideals and values have been placed upon our culture and how there's certain parts of that where it's slowly being diminished or deconstructed, but 
I know for a fact that even with my family members, they still believe in not being dark and not in not allowing me to embrace my dark skin or my brown and them valuing whiteness, them valuing not being vulnerable, not showing emotion and having to carry that burden of everybody and taking care of everybody too. And I feel like that's a lot of pressure that's always put on a lot of us. And sometimes we never know it. Like even for me, I never really understood why I always felt this kind of trauma with being Filipino. But now getting older and realizing that it's not my family's fault. It's just the way that things have been for a while. And that's why it's a whole process of relearning certain things, unlearning certain things, and learning new things about our culture that not only acknowledges the ugly, but also embraces the beautiful behind it. And I feel like that's why I never really had a sense of pride in being Filipino when I first started learning a lot of these things, because you think about all these different colonialistic type of ideals and thinking and you start to think like, wow, what if I really am embracing that whiteness part of it and not really embracing the legit, authentic Filipino culture, which was always confusing to me because I always wanted to know what is Filipino? What is the root of being Filipino? And I think every day I'm learning something about it. And I mean, there's always something to be proud of. Definitely. And I think like, um, I associate it with this phrase that I always want to share is like, learning about our Filipino-ness is like um, shredding an onion because there's so much layers of our identity. And every time we kind of shred that I, that layer, like you don't know if you want to cry or you want to be angry. Cause just like, I don't understand. Like, why is this, why is this it? Like, I thought we were this and then like there's just so many I guess lies also that comes with un- unpacking mm-hmm. our own identity and I feel you on that and that's why I wanted a little bit for you to elaborate because I feel like in order for us to know really who we are and to really embrace our own Filipino is we need to talk about like what we didn't like or what we sh- kind mm-hmm. of like avoided because that is really a big part of coming together with it mm-hmm. you have to know the ugliness side. I agree <laughs> and I don't know if you experienced this as well but um, all those stereotypes that you heard was that one of the main factors as well oh yeah for sure because surprisingly enough um, coming to the mainland specifically in Washington there is a pretty decent amount of Filipinos in the demographics where I went to school, specifically in Tacoma. As much as there was a lot of white people, there are a few like people of color that were there. Going there for the first time, a lot of people actually didn't realize what Filipino was or where that came from, surprisingly. A lot of people would look at me and they would think like, oh, you're probably Korean or Japanese or something. And so certain stereotypes that they would just have is that your eyes are just so cute because it's more chinkier or it's more like, you know, smaller. 
in appearance than typical Western, like, like other people. <laughs> and other stereotypes were kind of like, oh, you're probably a nursing major, which was also kind of true, but then I ended up switching. <laughs> but I still am going to continue nursing. <laughs> and just having that stereotype that was also kind of good but bad in a way because at least for me like I always like to take care of people I always put people first and that type of stereotype kind of can either be good for me or bad for me because sometimes you know people would take advantage of that and take advantage of my kindness which is something that I know a lot of Filipinos have inside of them like it really is in their blood to just really take care of their own and take care of other people and so I know a lot of stereotyping and discrimination really did play a role in terms of how I had to adapt within the culture of the mainland and my school, the whole entire environment in general. I mean, sad to say that there is still that happening and prevalent in a lot of higher education like institutions. Being aware of that and acknowledging that and, you know, still trying to educate them about it. And spreading that awareness is really important. And I feel like that's the kind of work that I hope to continue doing and just having those conversations with people as well too. And I get to transition more is for you, what does it mean to reclaim our Filipino? That was a question that I really kind of struggled with because when you first asked me to be a part of the podcast, I was kind of like, oh man, why me? Because I felt like I had no narrative. I had no story behind me because I felt like it was just, I was just starting it. And I feel like I still am in the beginning page of it. And I guess to, to really answer the question, a part of me has no idea because there's so many entities to it where it's so hard to explain. I thought, at least in the moment, I thought that what it means to really reclaim my Filipino identity, it means is when I'm able to really, when I'm able to be myself as freely and unapologetically as I can, means that my voice and my narrative and my entire being does not have to be limited or confined to the standards of whiteness, westernized values and colonized ideals or influences even, it means that I can just be proud to be brown and a woman of color in a white man's world or society. And honestly, I do hope to see it being more of this really huge revolutionary change from being ashamed of who we are and the history that came with the word Filipino and how it came to be, not to be ashamed of who we are, our history and the past, but also embracing the beautiful, the ugly, and everything in between that makes us honestly the most unique and very powerful because, I don't know, the Philippines is just really something else. The people that have come come out from it, I personally and truly mean it with every fiber of my being that we are probably the most hardworking people. We really cater to a lot of populations and demographically speaking like at least in terms of like my my 
my dad was an OFW worker. So he sought work everywhere. And my mom was a teacher at first. And then she went into a travel agency. And now she's like a medical biller. And we're very versatile people. And I feel like that's a part of our identity that we're reclaiming in a good way. Because not only are we doing the work that most people wouldn't do, but we're also taking pride in that as being Filipino workers, as being Filipinos in general. And so I feel like that's what it means to me to reclaim the Filipino identity and for me to reclaim that as my identity as well. Everyone has their own interpretation with what it means to reclaim our own identity. You mentioned um, reclaiming our Filipino identity is embracing the shameness that we went through and it's being able to know that like what you and I'm going to emphasize what you mentioned is that Filipino people are very powerful when they see it um, especially when they are able to see both sides of the spectrum because I know right now there's a lot of very much controversies between diaspora people back home but when we are able to see it we see the lens of both sides and able to listen into one another the filipino people are very powerful they definitely are because i felt i feel like it's just in our blood to just really be hardworking and to really be those versatile individuals who will do anything to make ends meet, anything to put a roof over our heads, food on the table. And that's definitely something that I appreciate from my parents that moved here. Just They were still under martial law or something like that. They were even during that time. And so, which is something interesting that I learned too. And so for them to really escape that reality that they were in to find a better life here in the U.S. and in Hawaii, it's definitely something to really commend them and a lot of other Filipino immigrants who did the same just for the sake of their future family and generations that come before and after them too. And that's definitely something that I'll always be proud of. And it's something that is a part of my identity because I come from very strong people very powerful people too. And so I do hope that with everything that I continue to learn, everything that I do moving forward is for them. And it's something that the Filipino community would be proud of too, you know, because pride and that sense of strength is something that us Filipinos really have in us. And sometimes it does get hard and tiring to keep that persona up too, which is something that I understand and like grew, grew to um, acknowledge. So hopefully I'll be able to find that balance too, because that's also something that's really hard. <laughs> but yeah. To, um, to transition, because kind of went hand in hand is, what is that one advice you would like to give to the next generation who will be listening to? With my social media and with all that I'm, I support of and 
um, all that. <laughs> I would say that my advice to the next generation is to really encourage them to explore the intersectionality of their identities, whether they're born here in Hawaii, or born here in the mainland or in Hawaii, or they were born in the Philippines, moved to the mainland, or they're generations after generations of um, a family of immigrants, whatever it may be, to really explore that part of them. Because like what we've talked about in the beginning, knowing who we are and knowing the stories that are a part of us is really something to explore and dig more deep into. And I find it, I guess a part of the advice is to also assure them that it's important to be reassured that it's okay to be discouraged, disheartened, or devastated when we do dig deep in our history and the culture, like how we talked about that there's so much ugly, there's so much bad that comes with our culture, but to really find it in us to be okay with it, it will take a long time. It takes a lot of work to really dismantle everything that we've known or everything that we are about to know um, because it does get tiring and it's draining to continue opening up ourselves and becoming vulnerable because this is really the beginning of reclamation and the start of a revolution. And to not feel like you have to live with the burden of feeling lost, displaced, and the sense of imposter syndrome because you think that you're not good enough compared to your other counterparts. I want to tell you all that you guys are enough. You are worthy, you are not alone because like how we talked about, the Filipino community continues to grow every day. And when you feel that you are ready to go ahead and explore, unlearn the things that you know, learn the new things and relearn the things that you have yet to learn. Um, it's important to reclaim our culture and identity, knowing that it has multiple parts and dimensions. It's a whole process that really won't happen overnight. And it does take a lot of work and vulnerability. And so I hope that when you know that you're ready, I hope that once you begin to embrace all the ugly, it may not make sense now, but it will definitely become one of the many beautiful things about being Filipino or being Filipino. And with that said, and the very last question is, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? It's always funny to answer this kind of question because I'm pretty sure every single kind of icebreaker, it's always like, what do you see yourself in five years? And then the next five years happen. And then someone asks, what do you see yourself in the next five years? And it goes on and on. And as much as I want to expect certain things, I feel like getting older and living in the society and environment that we are in now it's to always expect the unexpected but ideally if I do really see myself in 10 years I do hope to have a family and really expand on that and to see myself growing and prospering here in the mainland I hope to really continue being in touch with my favorite Filipino meals, being able to share that part of myself and my cultural identity with my future children and family. I hope that I see myself achieving every single goal and aspirations that I have in my life to be 
that successful brown Filipino American in the healthcare and medical field, really trying to touch the lives of many. And I just really hope to see myself in higher education. I hope to get my master's in nursing and get my doctorate in nurse practice and really be an educator to help uplift other individuals like what you said, my fellow BIPOC in communities and to expand on the opportunities that were never given to us in the beginning, but now being able to give that back to them and giving them that hope that they can also make a name for themselves, even if it's not as big as high media, like companies and individuals who are very well off, to give them that opportunity to live a life that they deserve, to live a life that makes them happy. And I just really hope to see myself and my community to continue prospering and growing and embracing to really love our cultural identity because that's really what we are all made to do is to just really find ourselves to really find a certain purpose in life and now just thinking about all that it's kind of crazy because I really am that Filipino that like really does care about everyone else and so I hope that with the medical profession or as a future healthcare profession I hope to really give back to communities and give back to the elderly and just continue doing work. And with that said, that was actually beautifully well said off and being vulnerable and sharing your story here with us because hearing your story may actually be a light in their soul and will kind of push them to also do the same thing as well. Of course, because I feel like just kind of a last thing to say, considering that I was a nursing student and I wasn't anymore kind of relating that into this podcast it's kind of like there's never one route to anything there's never a one way one journey to discover our identity and to embrace that and with me having a non-traditional pathway to nursing you can kind of say the same for it being a non-traditional path to understanding our culture understanding my identity because there's a lot of ways where you can pick that up and um, be able to learn certain things and so I feel like that's also another thing that made me feel that it's okay to not learn everything at once or learn it the same way as other people have because we're all not destined to go in the same pathway or the same journey of how we discover ourselves or anything like that and so, and I think to close that off is um, this quote uh, I wanted to share with you and that might resonate is it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start, which was Angelia Trinidad. Uh-huh. I follow kinda, her on Instagram. <laughs> the funny part with her story is she was a pre-med student, but she went on to follow her passion and became in the arts industry and that's where she mm-hmm. just set off it's just following your heart and what you desire it's, you just it doesn't have to be perfect just start it and you'll find the motivation and the right people to be with you and support you oh after mm-hmm. like listening to all the podcasts i'm like oh i can't wait for this part <laughs> 
Um, I just want to give a shout out to my family back home, my siblings, Chelsea and Alex. Oh, this is like one of those, oh, I bought the, or something, well, I forgot what it's called in like those game shows in the Philippines. <laughs> um, and I also want to give a shout out to my friends, Alina, Dayan, Kayla, Giselle, and Brandon for always just being that support system for me. Hong, Aaliyah, Jennifer, and all my other friends that I'm forgetting. <laughs> And just for POU being a great school for me to connect with all the different clubs and organizations that I've been a part of. And to you, Chachi, thank you for having me and for giving me this opportunity and experience that I'm definitely going to remember. And hopefully I'm not going to reflect on this podcast and be like, oh, I wish I should have said this or why do I sound weird? No worries. And I think this is just the start of something new to come. And I feel like as we venture on, like there will be many more opportunities that will be coming for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it's the first podcast, so this is a, a real interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and I'm not forgetting it, I always ask this to every single podcast guest is, what is your favorite Filipino I'll change it up favorite Filipino music oh that's hard my favorite (laughs) Filipino music like you mean the song or the like genre of it if it's easier would be genre instead because there's a lot of songs that I know there's a lot of songs but I feel like my favorite ones have always been like like Casey Tandingan Moira Moira Torres like those kinds of music, but I can never forget all those dancing ones like Ocho Ocho and stuff like that. I feel like those have always been nostalgic to me. And I legit have my own Spotify playlist of all Filipino music organized by John <laughs> that I always listen to whenever I'm like I'm feeling homesick or something or feeling like I want to listen to something other than English. (laughs) And thank you for listening to our Season 6 Episode 2 podcast guest with Angelica Marie Ilagon. This episode, I have really learn a lot in terms of the story of truly what it means to just grow up in a place where everyone around you is Filipino and not even that but going to another state and you don't see anyone who looks exactly like you and you just feel very much outcasted like so there was so much going on with the conversation and one thing that I want to emphasize a lot is this narrative of really breaking the mold especially going beyond to just learning more about our history and learning about where we came from and that kind of plays a toll on understanding our identity and 
with that said i thank you angelica for being with being here with us today and also if you want to listen more of her and her insights we did have her on our mental health quantuhan episode with Cynthia Siadot and Rachel from the Sagol show. So check that out and it's on our YouTube page. We talk about the taboo topics in our Filipino community. So that's that. And without further ado, I'm really honored to truly hear stories of Filipino who grew up and was born in Hawaii. Especially our next guest for episode three for season six. She was born in Hawaii, but at the age when she moved to college, she went to east to the east coast, and that's pretty much where I'm just gonna leave it there because I'm so also excited for you all to listen to this story because moving. From Hawaii to the East Coast, it's a lot, and especially if there's not really much Filipinos around you or much community. Um, in comparison, being here in the West Coast and in Hawaii, so stay tuned for season six, episode three with Christiana Villanueva.